Right, good morning everyone. We're continuing the story of Esther this week and it's a story of lots of twists and turns. And I wonder if there's someone who's maybe under 12 who can tell me the name of the king that we were hearing about last week. Anyone under 12 remember the name? It's a really difficult name. Yes? King Xerxes, here we are, well done. That's a good remembering there. He's actually going to play the part later on, so perhaps that wasn't so good. Anyway, the story so far. Xerxes was ambitious, he was polygamous, he was extravagant, he had wild parties, he loved to entertain. These parties went on for um, months, and most of them were attended by rich and posh people. He had a massive empire, and you remember the map that we saw last week. His empire went all the way from India right up to the Black Sea, Caspian Sea, Egypt, right out to Libya, an absolutely huge empire that he was ruling over. But he's actually not a very good husband. He fell out with the queen. She didn't do what he wanted him to do, and so he got rid of her, and then he got the beautiful Esther as his queen. But he didn't really show much love to her. It was a bit of a strange thing. So I've got the Williams family today, and they're going to help me just dramatize these events. They're putting their props on. So we've got um, King Xerxes, who's going to sit on his throne here. It would have been a much grander throne than that. We've got the beautiful Esther, who's going to be over here because she was in a separate court and really didn't have much access to the king. And then we've got a baddie called Haman, who's... Oh, you're getting into it already, I can tell. And then we have Mordecai. Okay, so whenever, whenever I say King Xerxes, I want you to be involved, and I want you to go, uh-uh, because he was a bit of a dodgy king. Okay, that's it, Xerxes, you sit over here. And whenever we talk about Esther, now Esther means star in Persian, so we're going to go like that, all right? Whenever we mention Mordecai, we're going to go, hooray! And whenever we mention, what's his name? Haman. Yes, we're going to go, boo. All right, now I want you to practice. Xerxes, Esther, Mordecai, and Haman. Great, you're there, right. So, King Xerxes. He was in his palace in Susa, and he decided to promote Haman to the position of prime minister. Now, King Xerxes ordered his officials to bow down in front of Haman. Come on, you've got to keep up with this. Come on. He wanted this to happen to show their respect. (laughs) But Mordecai who had adopted the beautiful Esther, refused to bow down and show him any respect. Now the palace officials at the king's gate asked Mordecai, why are you disobeying the king's command? Mordecai said, I am a Jew, so I cannot bow down in front of Haman. They spoke to him day after day, but he still refused to obey the order. When Haman saw that Mordecai 
would not bow down or respect him, he got very, very angry. Come on, very, very angry, please. When he heard that he was a Jew, he decided to do even more than punish and beat him up. Instead, he would try and destroy all of the people he belonged to, all the Jews, across the whole of his empire. Now, this was a really serious moment because the Jews could be annihilated. Now, sneakily, Haman went to King Xerxes and said, there is a certain race of people scattered across your empire who keep themselves separate from everyone else. Their laws and customs are different from those of any other people. They live differently, and they refuse to obey the laws you have made. Does this sound familiar at all? Some people are scared of those who have faith and try to shut them up. Haman said, I don't think it's in the king's interest to let these people live. Haman said, if it pleases your king Xerxes, your majesty, issue a decree that, will, that we will put to death all of these people. And I will give you 10,000 large sacks of silver into your royal treasury. Sounds a bit like blackmail to me. All that silver, some poor person has worked out, would have weighed 375 tons. I worked it out. That is the weight of 29 London buses. A lot of silver, eh? King Xerxes liked the sound of all that money. He agreed the decision by removing his special signet ring off his finger, signet ring off his finger, and gave it to the wicked Haman. The king said, the money and the people are both yours to do with as you see fit. So Haman called the king's secretaries and dictated a decree. This is a special letter. Now, this is a nasty letter. The nasty letter was written in the name of the king and sealed with the king's special signet ring. Now, I need a runner. I think Sam looks like a runner. He had a runner who would run around the empire with this letter. So, Sam, I want you to run all around the building with the letter and show as many people as you can the letter because all the people need to see it. Thank you. So look at the letter as he whizzes by you. <laughs> the letter gave the order that all the Jews, young and old, must be killed on a particular day. God, Sam's a great runner. Thank you, Sam. Let's give him a clap. Here you are, Sam. Good lad. Then King Xerxes and Haman sat down to have yet another drink. It was what the king liked to do. But all the people in the city of Susa were upset and confused at this nasty letter and this decree. Now, when Mordecai learned about this nasty evil letter and all that had been done, he was very upset and he tore his clothes off. Not all of them, he tore his clothes off. And instead, he put on sackcloth and covered his head with ashes. We're not doing that bit. 
He then went out into the city crying with a loud voice. Not a very loud voice, but he went crying with a loud voice. <laughs> he even went to the gate of the palace wearing these sad clothes. And all the Jews fasted and wept and wailed. And they too put on sad clothes. When Queen Esther heard all of this from her servant, she was very upset and sad. She sent clothes out to Mordecai, but he refused to put them on. He sent his servant to ask Esther to go and speak to the king directly about this wicked plot. But Esther had a dilemma. What would she do? She didn't know what to do. Because everyone who appears before the king in his private court without being in invited was put to death. There is only one situation where this would not happen and that is if the king holds out his golden scepter. Queen Esther had not been called into the king's presence for 30 days. What a way to treat your wife. Mordecai Come on, you're flagging a bit. Then sent a message to Esther. Don't imagine that you are safe in the palace. If you keep quiet at the time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. He knew that God wanted to save his people. That's the faith of Mordecai. Mordecai said, maybe you have been made queen for such a time as this. And this is a key verse in the whole of the story. Then Esther sent this reply. Go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is law, I will go in and see the king. She said, if I must die, I must die. So Mordecai went out and did everything as Esther had asked him to. I'm going to leave it there, cliff edge, hanging for next week. This is the bit that we're looking at this week. Now, everyone loves a good story, don't they? And I want all the children, if you could come and sit around the front here, and you can bring your mum and dad if you want to, because they can listen as well. But I want all the children, anyone under 12, come and sit at the front here um, in this little space here because I want to talk to you particularly now, okay? And the, the adults, they can listen in if they want to, okay? We'll let them, won't we? Good, right. So, everyone likes a story, you know. I love exciting stories and I'm looking forward to this summer when I can read a story but this is an amazing story. It's got lots of different twists and turns, but did you notice in that story what Mordecai's reaction was to that nasty letter? All those Jews were going to be murdered, and his reaction was that he became very, very sad, didn't he? And he put on those clothes. Have we got the sackcloth there, Rob? Where's the sackcloth? He put on sackcloth. So he put on these sad clothes to Ask God to help. Do you want to feel it? Do you feel that? It's not very comfortable, is it? But he put on these sad clothes because he was mourning and upset for his people. 
And you know, these sad clothes, they were very, very cheap. And even Palestinian shepherds used to wear this because it was so cheap. It was like the Primark of the day. I'm not sure I'm allowed to say that, but that's what it was like. But his reaction was that, um, you know, he became very sad. Now, I don't know how you react to news. I listen to the news at least twice a day, and I guess some of you listen to the news as well. And how do we react to those things that are happening in our world? If I'm honest, I sometimes get a bit angry and I'll get a bit frustrated. And I'm that age where I rant a bit when things seem to be a bit, you know, nonsense. And we can sometimes think it's the prime minister's fault or the president's fault or this person's fault or that person's fault. And actually what we should be doing is being very sad for these situations and asking God to help. That's like honest prayers, isn't it? It's how God wants us uh, to react to these situations. Do you know, at the end of a great big war that this country was on, involved in, at the end of the Second World War, the king at the time, not our queen, but the king at the time, asked all the people to pray for the country because it looked like we were going to be defeated. And thousands and thousands and thousands of people across this country streamed into the churches and they asked God, they brought their sad prayers to God, asking him to help. And God answered those prayers and turned the situation round in this country and we weren't defeated. In fact, that country that was attacking us is now one of our allies. They're now one of our friends. So God can answer those sad prayers that we bring to him. Jesus said, though, don't look gloomy when you pray. So we don't have to put on sackcloth. We don't have to look really gloomy when we pray. But he asks us to pray all the same with those sad hearts that we have. And you know, we can do this on our own. Jesus said about going off and praying on our own, didn't he? In our own little room. And I'd encourage you to, when you're feeling sad about things, when things outside of you are troubling you, that you bring your sad prayers to God in that private place. But you can also do it as your family. So you can remind your mum and dad when there's nasty things happening, hey, mum and dad, let's pray about this, shall we? You can remind them that, can't you? I'm reading a book at the moment. Just going to tell the adults this bit. Um, sorry, I've read a book recently. It's called How to Pray by Peter, Peter Grieg. And it's an absolutely brilliant book and I'd really recommend it. And in here, he gives you three really good tips about praying. He says, uh, keep it simple, keep it honest, and keep it up. And that's three key things that we can do in our praying. Keep it simple. We don't have to get complicated with our prayers. Keep it honest. Be honest with God how you're feeling. And keep it up. Later in the story next week, we'll see how God begins to answer those prayers. So, children, who's got a birthday this month? Anyone got a birthday this month? Oh, that deserves some sweets. There we are. Anyone else got a birthday this month? You have. Oh, cheat. Never mind. Anyone else got a birthday? Oh, here we are. I've got these in a fat face badge. I don't know whether... A bag. I don't know whether that's uh, significant at all. Anyone else? Adam, there we are. Good. Anyone else wanting a birthday this month? Oh, there's some over there. Rob, can you take some more sweets at the back there? Great. Okay. You know, your birthdays are really, really important, aren't they? 
And it's great to, to celebrate a birthday. But you know, every day of our life is important to God. Mordecai said to Esther, maybe you are a queen for just such a time as this. Now, I want us to think about that phrase for such a time as this. We can think about it in two ways. The first, we can think about it in a very general way, but we can also think about it in a very specific way. You know, God has planned for us all to live a certain number of days on this earth. And for most of us, that's going to be a number of decades. And some of them, people in this room, have lived a long time. They've got lots of decades behind them. But God has chosen as part of us a part of his plan for us to be here right now for this time. And as children of God, he's got, he's got a plan for us, particularly at this time for this generation. You are one of God's chosen people for this generation. How fantastic is that? That God has got a plan for us to be able to share the love of Jesus with this generation. Esther was granted special favor in that foreign land that she was living in, as were Joseph and Nehemiah and Daniel and Ruth. And we can all say that we are here for such a time as this. But there's other times when we experience which can be very special times, like it was for Esther, that she was called to be there for such a time as this. A few years ago, I went to work in a country called Haiti. I was living in Canada at the moment. Does anyone know where Haiti is? That's a really hard question. You know? It's not in Africa, no. Good try. Not in South America. Anyone adults know? Rustle of sweets. It's in the Caribbean, yes. Some sweets for that lady, yes. It's in the Caribbean. It's a very, very poor uh, country, but I went to work in that country, and I was going to go out and work as a nurse in a, in a clinic there. So I arrived, and a few days after I arrived, the director of uh, the, the mission that I was in came up to me and said, I'm very sorry to tell you this, but we're having to close the clinic. Now, this was a bit strange because I was going to be there for quite a few weeks. And um, the reason I'd gone there was to work in this clinic. So I sent an email to some of my friends in Canada and some of my friends in England. And I said, this is the situation. And five people sent an email back to me saying, Duncan, you're there for such a time as this. And I believe that in my heart. A few days later, we began to hear about a nasty disease that broke out just near that city that we were uh, living and working in. It was called cholera. Now, cholera is a really horrible, horrible disease. It gives you bad diarrhea. If you've ever had diarrhea, um, it's a lot worse than that. And it's so, so bad that you can actually die within a few hours. Now, thankfully, we don't have that disease in this country because it's uh, caused by um, infection in water. But there was this, this disease was breaking out. And the same director called me into his office and he said, there's four nurses on the base here. Do you think you can get that ambulance going and go to the villages around and help those people to come into the hospital, bring those people into the hospital who have got cholera? I didn't know anything about cholera. I had to quickly look on the internet about it and learn up about it. 
And uh, some very clever people got the ambulance going that was on the base. And we were able to take this ambulance out into the village and bring people that were really, really sick back to the hospital where they could be treated. That verse was very, very special for me at that time. And us four nurses, we were called at that time, that special time, just for that time, like Esther was, was called. Now, all of us here today, in this world, are, are in this world at this point in time for such a time as this. And it's no accident that you and I are living in Helsham in 2019. And there's some broad, general things that uh, we can sometimes think are like coincidences, but they're not. They're special events that God has called us to be here for such a time as this. Then there will be these maybe once-in-a-lifetime things where your breath is taken away and you realize that God has called you for that very special moment to help someone, to share the love of Jesus with them at that time. During this week, I had some fun. I had a very old computer, um, and it was an old laptop, and I thought, I'm going to smash this up because I don't want it anymore, and I've heard that you're supposed to smash it up. So I unscrewed the back of it, and I, I took apart what I did, and I saw all these circuits. Have you, have you ever looked in the back of a computer and seen all the circuits? There's just thousands of little circuits, and it was like looking down on a, on a little world. And so I started smashing all this stuff up and found the hard disk and smashed it up. But it made me think about, you know, sometimes um, we only see our little bit of the world, but actually, from God's point of view, there's lots going on. And all those parts uh, in the circuitry are important for the computer. So our lives are really important to God uh, for such a time as this. Those little things that we can do uh, to show the love of Jesus to people are so, so important. We don't see the big picture. We don't see the whole circuit board. We only see our little bit. So just to remember that, that's a good thing to remember, that our lives are really special, not just our birthdays, but the whole of our lives are really special and important. And of course, Jesus came for such a time as this. He came to show us God's love. He came to show us miracles. He came to bring his teaching. He came to die on a cross for our sins and to save us because he loves us so much. So Jesus came for such a time as this. So as you pray your sad prayers for um, the broken world and those things that upset you, as we bring our rejoicing and our bold prayers and our little prayers, we can be sure that God is at work within our prayers, just like he was for Esther and Mordecai. Now, I think you've been really good this morning, and I want you all to take some sweets, and you can go back to your mum and dad, and I'll ask the worship team, oh, I'm getting mobbed here. <laughs> ask the worship team to come back, and uh, my goodness, maybe we can just, um, just sit quietly for a moment, <clears throat> and uh, I want to pray for us, and then we'll, we'll sing together of the palace of King Xerxes was more like a prison cell. He was pretty isolated there, and everyone was isolated from him. Even the queen didn't 
have access. And that is really, really different for us, you know, because our Heavenly Father assures us of access to Him every single day. And we're not turned away. We're never ignored. We are totally accepted by the King of Kings. The King of Kings and our Lord Jesus Christ are so different to King Xerxes. We're totally loved and accepted, listened to, even if we've messed up and even if we've um, got unrepented sin in our lives. We can always have access to the Father. So, Father, we thank you that you want to hear all of our prayers. You want to hear our rejoicing prayers and our sad prayers. You want to hear our prayers for situations and you want to use our prayers to turn situations around. We thank you also, Lord, that we are here for such a time as this and days that seem very ordinary. We are here for such a time as this. And there's very special moments that you call us to influence people's lives. And you call us to be that people that are ready to share your love. And we thank you, Jesus, that you came just at the right time. You came for such a time as this. You came to save a dying world. A really good prayer for you to pray this morning is if you don't know Jesus, is Lord Jesus, help me to come to you and to know you. Thank you that you died for me. Thank you that you desire relationship with me. Thank you that you open up the way that I can have a relationship with Father God. You set me free from the past. Thank you that you do all these things for us. Help us, Lord, to turn from the sin in our lives. Help us, Lord, to trust you. Help us, Lord, to know that death can bring resurrection. Yeah, thank you, Jesus, for this story of Esther. Thank you for the truths in it. And we bless you that you've called each one of us for such a time as this. Amen.